Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. It's your boy Dave Neal. We got a good one for you today. I'll make this intro pretty brief because we have a long episode. Tasha and myself uh, went back up to the roof for our Sunset podcast series, our COVID-19 podcast series where we socially distance from the roof, and we chatted with David Luneau. David Luneau is a attorney, an activist, an all-around good guy. We talked to him about so many different things. Right before the pandemic started, he moved in with his girlfriend and her kids, and uh, boy, life changes fast for you. And he told us all about the transitions, how to know what your partner's love language is and how to express your love language. Plus, we also talked about polygamy uh, and um, some aspects of that so, uh, that style of living. And in the middle of the podcast, uh, uh, don't get me wrong, I apologize. I talked more about my stitches. <laughs> I've got a real summertime injury here if you haven't heard yet folks uh, but i really enjoyed my chat with david and tasha and i wanted to give a shout out to ben guys am i pronouncing that right guys ben guys uh for uh donating to us and helping support the podcast uh it is so just we are over overwhelmed with gratitude for all of you who have supported the podcast through patreon or venmo or paypal it really is special how much you guys mean to us and you've really helped us get through a very tough time i'm ready i'm uh, recording this intro uh, actually from kentucky at tasha's parents house and we are finally after months of isolating finally out visiting family and it feels so good to have some warm cooked food that's not made by me <laughs> and we've enjoyed uh, being with the company of our our friends and family and uh we have got a quite the journey ahead of us we're going to be uh posting some private patreon episodes of our road trip from here to michigan to rhode island so we got the the new um, audio equipment that we're going to take on the road with us and record all of that so for all of our patreon members stay tuned we got a lot of content coming your way and if you're not on patreon it's a place where we can do private uh, podcasts and uh, through your donations you're able to help us out and get more content you can go to patreon.com slash the sap if you want to hear any of that p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash t-h-e-s-a-p and i've got a couple postcards heading our way for all of our sap listeners uh on the patreon and if i'll tell you what the next two people how about this three the next three people that message me your address your mailing address will send you a postcard just for being a listener and for being alive and for being out there. So you can message me on my Instagram at Neals or at the dot sap or just, you know, uh, find me on the street, where, whoever it is. The next three uh, people that give me your address will send you a nice postcard uh, from Tasha and Dave. So anyway, without further ado, uh, here is my chat with David Luno. If you're trying to get wild. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Perfect. We've already got a good connection. We're throwing beers to start the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to, I think this is 403 of the SAP. It is Dave Neal with Tasha Cordy and our new friend, or my new friend, David. Um, Now, how do uh, Luno? Is it Luno? Did I get it right? I coached Perfectly like 45 times. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, Lou, like Lou Bega, and then no, like number five. And then I started singing Lou Bega's number five, and then I was like, I'm going to call him Lou No, number, Lou number five. And then I came up with a Lou No uh, COVID-19 parody for uh, Mambo number five. Mambo 
COVID-19. You got to make a remake. I just, I got to get it out before this episode comes out because someone's going to rip me off. But anyway, thanks so much for coming to the roof today. Thank you for having me. It's a gorgeous spot. <laughs> we're I'm drinking, um, we're th- I, I just, uh, I love when I can throw somebody a beer. There's something so nice about tossing a beer. Like there's it's no like other a man connection. Yeah, you, if you if I gave you a banana and threw it to you, it wouldn't have the same Coolness. sort of gravitas as a pilsner being chucked because there is a little risk involved yeah, there. Yeah, if you drop that, it's gonna explode everywhere. And it's just uh, it's like you're, it's like a, it's almost like an ego check for each other. Like I, like I have to toss it in a good way, but you have to receive it. It's like a double play we're going for. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I feel like especially depending on where you grew up, but. Just about everywhere. It's like one of those things like when you're like a little kid, like, you know, at like a parent's barbecue or whatever, everybody else, like you see the other people doing it and you're like, that was so cool. Yeah. And so you're trying when you're younger with the Coke or the Sprite and then like, yeah, inevitably yeah, like yeah, bursts open. It's just never the same. It's yep. never. Yeah. And then, and then and then here we are. And oh, and then that smell. This is a good one. These aren't, um, you know, I, I bought these on Irony alone from Trader Joe's. It's called Simple Times Pilsner Beer. And this is just a sip back to uh, the simple life before the pandemic. Oh, I love these actually. Like yeah, both you, this and the lager. Oh, you've had this before? Oh yeah. Oh, cheers, man. Thank this you. is great. And I prov- I packed your uh, one of my favorite koozies. That's a uh, <laughs> to have and to hold and to keep your beer cold. My 14th, 2014. <laughs> it's from a wedding that we is... weren't invited to. <laughs> That's not true. We were probably invited, but I don't we think didn't. we were. But we <laughs> but know. we ended up being in town and made it to uh, the pre-party at like a you know it's the most Kentucky thing ever. It was at like a horse racing event. And um, was this the? But this is I, I guess I can't talk talk. She's already looking at me. Don't talk shit about them. But you know what? I I will. I'm gonna talk shit about. It. I'll, I'll I'll spend the extra three minutes bleeping it out. But that that was um that we don't like that. I don't like that person who's on the koozie. So I'm just hoping that oh. that koozie lasts longer than the marriage which sometimes koozies do well, it's already lasted six years that's what i'm saying <laughs> i always said that marriage material should be made out of koozies because they always last longer than the shitty wedding yeah. that you got the thing at and this koozie's broken in i mean it's not like you've been saving this for <laughs> oh, we've used location. that on mason yeah. jars that koozie's been around the block for sure <laughs> oh man so yeah it's good thank you you know it's um the thing i've always loved about podcasting and thank you for coming welcome to the saps rooftop here but the thing i've always loved is in this overstimulated world it's just an hour where we turn our phones off for the most part, have a drink or a water or whatever it is, and just connect like humans used to, you know? Yeah, Campfire especially style. now, like, <laughs> it's we, so we simple. The, yeah. I mean, this is what, our our fifth maybe rooftop of the rooftop series, but it's so exciting. I mean, we literally look forward to this all week because it's the only time we ever get to see and hang out with anybody. Oh, you know, and it it's, could be another year while we do this. I mean, not to be all Debbie Downer, but who know who knows how long we'll be up here? <laughs> Send us some mail, folks. Luckily, we live in beautiful, sunny Southern California. Yeah, yeah. this is a nice like you know, dangling the carrot to go ahead and get those people to come over who you've been wanting yeah. to see. It's like, no, 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 come on, check this out. Like, And it's pretty simple. It's like we podcast 70 minutes before sunset. That's it. It's like whatever time yeah. sunset is, we're going to have to just mo- creep it up earlier in the day, but that's it. This is what we do. Uh, we're doing a three camera setup. We're on YouTube now. We're just, uh, we're trying to make it happen there, David. Now I had a question awesome. for you. I'd like yeah. to ask all of my uh, friends that are named David. Please. Do you get upset if you introduce yourself as David and then somebody calls you Dave? No. And I've <laughs> only met maybe one Dave, David, like through my life that really cares. Well, make it two. <laughs> yeah? Okay. No, 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 no. You no. have to be Dave. Right? I, he, hate, he hates being called well, David. Oh, okay. Because only his mom calls him David or his sister. 
Or me when I'm angry. Well, I don't know if they go if they go backwards. Like like Dave is obviously you, you know like are you so if someone were to call you Dave they would just, you know oh I'm Jonathan hey John how's it going but for me the reverse for for me to say hey my name's Dave and then someone goes oh nice to meet you David it just it just uh, it makes me want to wonder what their uh, what their motives are <laughs> what, are they, what are you trying to do yeah how did you how did you stick how did you decide that David was it. Do you have friends Did that call I? you Dave? <laughs> oh, isn't that? Are you? I don't are you? Uh, I literally. I, feel like I don't even know how I introduce myself most I've, of the time. I feel like I've always known you as Dave. Okay. Yeah. All right. right? Just kickball. Yep. I don't know. Like yep. Terry's yep. quick and easy Dave. Yep. Okay. Then I'm. I thought you were just a strict David. So now, so you're a amb- you're a ambidextrous Dave. Absolutely. You're, you're, uh, you're just, away. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> because for me, you know, David pays the bills. That's it. If if the if the yes. if if someone serious needs me, that's that's on the birth certificate. But yeah, it's just something. It's a reflexive. Like I know my sister's talking shit to me if she's David. David Cullman. You know, like and then Tasha. Don't even. I mean, I don't think you've ever seriously called me David. I don't think I could take that seriously. No, I feel like the only time I've called you David is when, because Dave and Babe have the same A sound. Uh-huh. So when you're in a crowd, like you, I feel like you don't really listen to, for Babe, right? Because everybody calls everybody Babe. So you totally, have, so yeah. David <laughs> is like a little more like makes your ears perk up. Okay. I like, I definitely with, yeah, Dave, it's like, there's so many names where it's like, even like Gabe, you know, I've, I've confused it. Um, when I was uh, coaching AYSO, actually, like we had a kid named Gabe, and one of the parents was like, "Gabe, Gabe!" Every time, Absolutely. I thought they were trying to get my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was I'm the same um, way with Josh, because Josh and oh, Tasha, uh-huh. like that, sh- it, is that a short A? You're the long A. Do you get any a, other names? Tasha. British people say Tasha. When I was, um, my first job ever was to deliver newspapers in my hometown, Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Shout out Ocean State and. Uh, it was an old folks neighborhood, Oakland Farms, old folks. I'm talking, I had to re-memorize people's names every week because, you know, whenever, you know, the movers came, you knew someone was done. <laughs> they were out the, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was it was a cookie cutter, but everyone called me Steve because Dave and Steve. Did you, do you ever get Steve? No. <laughs> See, I don't know. In that, I don't know if that's just they were deaf or what, but Steve and Dave do look alike when you're looking and not listening. Oh, yeah. It's, on the, it's the V, so it's almost like by the time someone thinks they hear your name, they're, they're piecing it together. So after weeks of me correcting, and I was like, you know, 13, and the guy's like, oh, thanks, Steve. And I'm like, it's Dave. And then three weeks later, he's like, thanks, Steve. I'm like, have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I became Steve. That was my new name. I don't know. And then um, somebody calls you Steven, you're like, no. No, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> That's actually my, my father's name, my late father, Stephen. Oh. Yeah, so Steve and Dave, maybe there was a connection. Maybe there was some subtle connection there yeah, I didn't even know about. interesting. I don't know. But anyway, the good thing about this about this chat is I'm flying uh, under the radar here with you. I don't know much about you. Are you married? Are you? Uh, what do you? What's what's what's? Tell us about you. Tell. I'm sorry for Tasha if you're, you know, rehearing everything, but I don't really know too much about you. No, it's been a while since I've even gotten to catch up with Tasha. So. Um yeah. Tasha. Like I, it's Tasha. Yeah, Tasha. <laughs> Sorry. As in the old English. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I'm uh, actually just 10 days before um, uh, shelter in place hit. I moved in with my girlfriend. And so we moved in, you know, both from our own places into a new place. And she has two kids. And so all just moved in together. First time living with children. Um, and but oh, 50% uh, custody. Um, so it's like we get that like break time. Oh, as that's well. fun. 
is the custody split up like weekends or is it it was that way and it just recently like uh tried out a week on week off thing and i simply have to say like as a huge shout out right now to all of the parents out there who have their kids full time oh my god (laughs) Yeah, like oh my god, like yeah, you know. But your girlfriend, what a what? How lucky is she to get you in there right before shelter in place? And she's like, all right, you're uh, you're on on duty now. now. (laughs) Well, it's uh, yeah. So she just post mated a dad. (laughs) Here you are. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. Except at the same time, she is. It's like it's basically dropping me and the kids in together. And so suddenly it's like, what was going to be like, hopefully a nice smooth transition. Just suddenly the learning curve got seriously steepened now. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And so it's, she's been incredibly understanding and wonderful at facilitating all of this and helping basically handle me when I'm like, ah, what is happening? And also like with the children as well. And it's, I am so freaking lucky because I also don't know what it would be like if, if we were still, you know, if I was still at my old place and she's at her place, and then also with the shared custody, there's all, already enough moving parts that it becomes difficult to figure out, like, well, how often can we see each other, you know, um, now that yeah, it's like I mean, there's blended households kind of happening. Really very strange times. Like, yeah, it is like it's all happening very fast, right? And March, yeah. you're like, okay, here we go. But what a blessing, right? Now, I'm yeah. sorry, did you say you both moved into a new place together or are you yeah, moving into her place? place. Yeah. Oh, that's the way to do it. See, I moved into Tasha's place. So it's like I, it's like I've been playing a road game for five years. How long you been? <laughs> you know? I've, I've done five years time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've been sorry. here for like five years. No, I, we've been together for six. We moved in. Yeah. We moved in pretty like, you know, within six months of living together because we were doing the commute, this and that. And, you know, LA, LA traffic will really get you to, you know, but it's also an economics thing. It's like I was he- spending so much time here. I was barely going back to my place to water a plant. And, yeah. um, and I had a buddy oh. living on my couch already. So, and, and my other roommates were like, you're going to start charging this guy. I was like, dude, just take my room over. Yeah. And it kind of worked out like, like so simply that it wasn't a high stakes thing where if I needed to get That's out of like here, that Indiana Jones, like the weight and like the statue and just like subbing one in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody even noticed. Dude, that's how the world works sometimes where it's like everything is so, can be so fluid and perfect. Now, don't get me wrong. We, I went from a, what was a three bedroom post-fraternity sort of house. I mean, these dudes were all, you know, everyone had their own room, but there was a big pool and big shared area. It was a, I mean, you know, you know, you live in a fraternity style house when there's just multiple living rooms. There's no dining room for food. There's just another room with a couch. And we had a third uh, living room that just had a curtain, you know, behind it. So we had like our bro was like the bro of Oz and he would just, and, and that's what happened. He was, uh, what's his name again? I forget his name already. Uh, he was, um, Josh, Josh was living in the other room. And um, finally we got him into my room and then and I moved here. So I went from a three-bedroom house to the pool to a 500-plus square-foot apartment. <laughs> and um, it makes you learn things about the other person because whatever oh, yeah. whatever you were hiding, whatever, like, you know, thing that you could escape is now you now have to confront. And um, have you learned anything? I mean, obviously, with the pandemic, you're it's a heightened situation where you're spending that much more time together. But uh, what was the adjustment like? It was actually... A- it was pretty solid. I feel like uh, we're both kind of far enough along that we had also just taken care to like you know, not try to keep that facade on sometimes. Like when, you know, you're in younger relationships, I feel like at a certain point you are like, no, 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 I don't want them to know like this part about me yet or whatever. But when she was staying at my place or I was staying at hers, 
It was a, was a firework we were talking about. Back in Nam, folks. Wow. That was a close one. Yeah, yeah. and why? Oh, That was it, below the roof there, line. Yeah. It, there's a an RV that lives there. <laughs> hey, folks, we are live. <laughs> People think we put these sound effects in post. Yeah. <laughs> Got a good smell to it, too. <laughs> the tree burning. Um, Absolutely. This is, a, no. this is a case in focus. I'm trying to remember what you were talking about before a mortar went off. <laughs> Great time. Uh, but, yeah, so... it was actually really smooth for us. I mean, 90% of it is really uh, those like little things where it's like, oh, you put like the fork face up or the fork face down. Like, I mean, really, if we had a dishwasher, like everything would be easy. But oh, bro, right. bro <laughs> you're looking at it. You see that? <laughs> oh, my God. I know on your thing. That's oh it. Oh, my God. That's Three days ago. I'm how showing many stitches up. is that? I had a lie I wanted to tell you about me having to punch a window to save a kid <laughs> oh, from the Oh, but I Tesla. listened to the podcast, so I heard you talking oh. about I how whole, you I had a whole lie worked out. I was going to tell you I saved a kid from, a, you know, in duress. I was like, is it a kid or is it a chihuahua? Which one? It's a kid. It's got to be a kid. I saved him. I punched through. I don't know why I wouldn't use my elbow. Uh, yeah, I was cleaning out a glass. In the moment. And, um, just got to go. The glass popped. It just made that glass, pop, not shattering, but popping noise, which was more kind of noise. Yep, the crack. And yeah. I was already putting, I would say, 60 pounds of pressure into it. The, gl- I didn't, the glass didn't break because of my pressure. It, it was already had a fracture in it, which I did not oh. know. Um, and um, so that was, it. yeah, it's like a crescent-shaped cut. And, I was trying um, to picture it the way you were describing it, and wow, yeah, it just stopped is... bleeding. This is the first time I've, I'm actually airing it out. Um, oh man! But uh, at some point, I had to stop. You know, I had a wrist guard and all these things to kind of yeah. protect me because any movement I'm squeezing, like a like a the the level you would squeeze your first pair of breasts. This is it. <laughs> anything <laughs> very anything gently, touch. very gently. I mean, anything more than this is uh, <laughs> like I couldn't open a jar of peanut butter just because if I do, I'm ripping out these stitches. Yeah. And you know, for the most part, I'm I'm always want to pick a scab or two. But for the most part, I'm oh. like, let's get this fixed. We're about to you know go go in a hot tub. I don't need. I don't need any extra issues with this, but I'm so blessed that I was, I immediately did the finger test. I was so blessed. I didn't break any tendons cause it went very deep. So as long yeah, as I'm that not looks and that is, I mean, going on top there too, it's like, ugh. we GoPro'd it. I mean, the first thing that I said, literally I was like wait, trying to look up which emergency room we could go to. And he's like, get the GoPro. <laughs> like, he needed it to be a YouTube video. Like Dedicated. priorities. Dedicated. Well, I got to pay off these bills. I need some ad <laughs> revenue. Subscribe to the YouTube folks. I, uh, well, I mean, I was like, look, I'm not going to, by not having my GoPro, it's not going to heal any faster. And then the poor, the poor doctor, I mean, I was trying to explain to Tasha who Doogie Hauser was. She didn't know who Doogie Hauser was. What? Yeah, crazy, right? I go, I go, I go, Doogie, I go, the young, the doctor was so young. It was like the young doctor, the old doctor. She goes, the autistic one? I was like, no, not the good doctor. Not the fucking yeah. Bates Motel doctor. The dead-eyed dude playing an autistic doctor. you seriously doctor. don't know Doogie Hauser? No, I mean, he showed me that yeah. it was Neil Patrick Harris. I love explaining no these things because it feels like I'm dating a 14-year-old. It's like, you're not that young, <laughs> Tasha. Come on. But it's so funny to be like, you know, Neil Patrick Harris was 14. He was a boy doctor. The more you explain it, you're like, yeah, it's kind of a weird premise. <laughs> but anyway, the point was is that it was a very pleasant Asian doctor. She couldn't have been 26. And um, there Tasha is with the uh, GoPro 8 4K. I, I made sure I shot it in 4K, you know, uh, not 1080p. I'm not some loser. I'm getting I'm getting right into that cut. And the lighting was very nice because it was a very, it was actually a very, the only place we could find that it was open was about half an hour out of town. And it was a very nice place, uh, well lit and everything. It looked like a movie set of a, of a you know, of a doctor's room, whatever. And um, sure enough, she was trembling. She was, uh, this nice Asian doctor was trembling. And I only bring up she's Asian because my mechanic's Asian. And I've never trusted a type of people more than Asians with things that matter to me. And I don't believe that that's off color to say because it is such a compliment 
that she was so kind. She's shooting up my my cut with lidocaine. I mean, she might have done 12 extra shots. She really <laughs> pumped it. it look, I, they, she put about a golf ball's worth of fluid in, into me. And But every time she's like, is, are you okay? Is this all right? She was so sweet to me. Whereas every doctor I've ever had is some chubby middle-aged white guy who just sticks in and goes, oh, come on, don't complain, man up, you know? So it's, I was like... <laughs> They're like drilling on is, your teeth while you can still feel it. Yeah. And that's exactly what my mechanic was like with my car. I go to these Japanese guys. I have a Toyota. It, it lines up perfectly. They're just <laughs> well trained. And I, I, this is more of a bash on my own culture than anything that that um, that they were so kind. And um, but anyway, she was also very nervous. And and I'm, I'm gonna have to re- review the 4K footage. But it looked like she might have fumbled a few times stabbing through my uh, my knuckle here. But um, yeah, but I mean, she, there's a lot of blood. It's pretty gruesome. And I don't think they do stitches every day. You know. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. but also I was like I was I was saying afterwards how lucky is she that she got a a guy that was just happy to get stitches. I was okay if she was fucking it up. I didn't don't you know no I, I mean, don't like she. she's messing it up. Your hand is, looks perfect. Because afterwards you told me she was sweating the whole time and she was trembling and super nervous and, and I'm trying I didn't to notice any trembling. I was trying to talk to her about like pop culture because I'm just chatting and you're just having a good time about it. But I also I also felt like I didn't want to make it more serious. Like like take a stab at it, go for it. Dave like, is convinced that everyone in the office was happy to hear him just like rambling. On. Yeah, for the two hours we were there. And I'm telling you, everyone in that office was like, this guy will not shut up. I can't up. believe we didn't record audio. <laughs> I, I'm so regretting that. What? I'm so regretting we didn't bring the lavalier microphones and make a podcast out of it. We had the lady in. We had a couple of the, the teammates. It was a full female crew. And they, they just kicked ass. But, you know, they're 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 suited up with multiple masks and face shields. They You know, they look like they're dealing with, you know what I mean? Like, it's you know, yeah, it's a pandemic. But, you know, I'm just I was it wasn't I wasn't disrespecting them i was just making light of it knowing because i mean how many times do you think they have to deal with some gross ass situation in mine was just yeah like i was bleeding in the knuckle we'll be fine like if she had like imagine if the first suture she had to deal with was like some kid's lip that busted open she she had to deal with my knuckle i don't care if it's scars she probably fucked it up who cares how many times have our listeners heard the story of you cutting open your hand? This is the first time they've gotten to hear it. Really? This happened three days ago. Okay. They're going to hear it again. I feel like he had a Patreon episode. He's been talking about I it I heard on about Instagram. it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did you hear it through Instagram? No, but uh, I was listening to 401. Uh, earlier today, doing a little oh, oh, okay. My my pre intro? Yeah. My, my intro. Oh, okay. I did talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> the whole audience is like, we already know, Dave. I'm sorry. Sorry about that there, David. My fault. I uh, we'll move on. But anyway, yes, washing yes, as you said, thirteen minutes later, washing dishes can be tough. Yes, you're right. Yeah, a dishwasher could alleviate some moving in stress. Yeah, we well, haven't you guys done... had been dating for quite a while, right? A few years? No, no, this was uh 15, 16 months. Uh, you guys beforehand. went dating. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, over a year. Okay. Like, and it was, it was more than enough where, like, we knew. Like, it was the kind of situation where it was very calm and easy. So. And that's how it's supposed to be, right? Easy. Yeah. Well, no, I like, as far as, so as far as <laughs> being able to, like, it's not supposed to be easy when you go in. Like, that's, we both knew there would be all those, you know, like, moments of, oh, okay, like, challenges you have to face exactly the difficult thing though is like for everybody is not being able like not being able to get space not being able to get distance like if you're if you're normally like oh i need to just go hang out with my friends or something else if that's kind of your refuge like right now during the pandemic and i mean 
you know, knock on wood. Yeah, you it's can't like, even it's, get a Starbucks. Like you can't even no. go sit. Well, at in least a for Starbucks a while, yeah, yeah, you definitely even couldn't Bro, do I, that. Bro, I you got to make it. Like I drove to the valley today to hand my buddy a memory card. I made an excuse, and I did have to give him this footage. But I was like, that's um, that's gonna be my time to get out. And the other thing is Bluetooth headphones. Bluetooth headphones. You put your headphones in. You do the dishes. You try not to go to the ER about it. And that for for because for me that's my <laughs> chance to like get some entertainment in without bothering her and kind of just like giving her her time. Cause I, I know I can be overbearing. So it's almost like having a certain amount of gasoline you need to burn off and I could burn it off by talking to her, which is too much, or I can just burn it off by just kind of thinking about ideas and, you know, you know, tinkering with stuff or, you know what I mean? So like, do you guys have do you, like, uh, as far as love languages go and all that, do you know what she needs from you or are you still yeah. she's got like her eq is through the roof so um it makes it super easy to uh yeah just be able to not only like know you know different ways to show affection and love um but also then be able to address like i'm just feeling this now um or it's like, is something off um, where I could say that or more often she's asking me that because I still, it's like, there will be those moments where suddenly I realize, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm up about something. I'm like, so uh, she'll, she'll realize it before you're willing to communicate that to her. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, and I've gotten better because she's just so amazing at it. That like reminding you to check in with yourself. Yeah, actually, that's a great way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, like that kind of reminder where it's suddenly like, take a breath, maybe step away, and it's like, figure out what exactly is it. Like, where was that moment where suddenly something got kind of you know set off? So. Do you, Do you realize? Do Do you like have certain things that you know are going to provide, like, going to give you a, a certain anxiety that you don't want to make sure you take out on her or stress? Like, is there like, or do you have any? Do you know of any trigger points that you have? I ask because she, she might, but, but, but you know, no, no, I mean, it's not, it's, it's t like for me, cause I've, it, it was super obvious cause I do stand up. Yeah. So any new show that was an important show, I was just too much anxiety, which is fine that to have that. But like, if I lived by myself, I would just have that. But having somebody else who's pretty, you know, Tasha, I would say you're high, she's, she, you're a self-described highly sensitive person. So if I'm anxious, you're, that's, that's a lot for you to handle. Yeah, like if you're pacing around your own apartment, it doesn't bother me. But when you're pacing around me, it's bothersome. Like I came home yesterday and she and you were like upset at how I walked through the door, and I was like, "Not that's not the mood I'm in at all." So like sometimes the the, the what you think I feel is different than what I'm actually feeling. But I, I do have to check in and go. Ah, maybe I was a little bit of a dick. But maybe I had seven, you know, seventeen bags. No, I just wanted to know that you wanted to help me at the door, not even wanting your help. Like, but because that's where my love language is. It, I don't even know if this is a co combination of languages. I don't want her help. I want to know she wants to help. I'm not going to let Offer, her help regardless. Offering acts of service, not even the acts of service. <laughs> That's it. That's got to be the easiest thing. It's like, babe, I'm coming to the door. But instead, I was like, honey, I could you? I'm injured. I just, I'm, you know, it's only 72 hours into this, you know, wound I've got here. But that you sounds know? like you actually wanted help, though. No, <laughs> I was at the store. I couldn't even put a potato in a bag. I mean, I'm dro I've been dropping everything. Oh, I, I don't want to make it more about me, but I've been, I've been, a lot of shits falling to the ground with this grip strength here. It's better. It's better today. But the first two days, I wasn't, I wasn't moving anything at all but uh, but anyway yeah it was like part of a love language for me is like i want to know that you would do something for me i don't actually want you to help i'm very self-sufficient you know like i don't want you like i want to know like i'd love to wake up one day and you left a comment on my fucking youtube video <laughs> i don't need like 
it doesn't help the algorithm. It's just like the idea, this noble idea that you would watch your hey, video. Hey, this is good. <laughs> it's like All right, noted. No, you're not it's not noted. I'll tell you what. I'll give you <laughs> <laughs> like I like I would give you uh let's say twelve dollars for every comment you leave on a YouTube video. And I still don't think I don't know why I chose twelve dollars because I don't want you to rack up my bill. But uh it's just, you know what I mean? Like that's do you do you think you really understand what I what I need, Tasha? I think in general I understand exactly what you need, but I think it's a little well, I don't want to call your needs silly, but I wow. do think that you asking me to comment on your, expecting me to comment on your YouTube and Instagram and Facebook videos instantly uh, is No, no, no. Much. I just said YouTube. I didn't say the others. No, it's but purely an algorithm thing. Comment on the YouTube. I thought so, you said it doesn't affect the algorithm. Well, I mean, geez, I, I'm struggling out there, folks. <laughs> Subscribe to the channel for fuck's sake. You know, but it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, you want, you just want to push early on. Like I've, you know, I mean, look, it's not, I'm not losing sleep over it, but you even said it, Tasha, truth is said in jest. You said you think it's silly what I need. I think it's way easier to comment on my YouTube video than, than me having to schlep into the valley and take astrophotography with you. I mean, that's a full commitment. You know, like you like quality time, which is way longer than me being like, Go, you're going to take a shit. So just comment on the YouTube video. You could literally just copy and paste whatever everyone else is saying. I'll make that a daily activity now. Yeah. So I challenge you to that. But anyway, so it's like, it, but it took me a while to be like, I don't want, like, I'm not, I just don't, qual like, I've never needed quality time from Tasha. We get, we already get it. Whatever her threshold is, we've reached that before it hits my threshold. So that's, the bottleneck is, is on her. I get it by by making it, you know, by the time she needs it. But you know, but my things just like, you know, it's very it's a very standard love language for people that do what I do. It's like a, just a quick compliment, and um and then the second I get something, I'm almost embarrassed by it. So like I said, it's the idea of it more so than it. Like if she was like if we were all out with our friends and she was like, my fiance is this the most grab? I'd be like, babe, come on, be quiet. Like like trust me, Tasha. You ever hear me take a compliment? I'm not good at it. I switch it around. I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, whatever. But uh, but on the inside, I'm like, woo, we got it. We got one. I'm good oh, for the week. Oh, man, take that compliment. Come oh, on, I take run it and with run. That. Yeah. Take it and run. I mean, it's it, just called thank you. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Oh. <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean? Like, there, there was a, so, this thing went viral, Although, I think, on Reddit, where, where, where someone was saying, uh, like, what's something guys want to hear? And then and then there was, like, a simple compliment that was, like, like you're doing good. It was, like, a very simple, like, you're you're okay. And then it was, like, Thousands, hundreds of thousands of upvotes. It was like so simple. What guys want? Affirmation. Affirmation. <laughs> That's it. Because Do you think that affirmation is a more common love language in guys than girls? I tell you what. Because I tell you what. Maybe. Maybe guys get it less as as boys. You know, maybe they get less like from their parents, like a little less coddling or something. I remember almost every like sincere the, the random dude told me he loved some joke i t i remember every single one it ain't often it ain't often women you guys bat it down you bat compliments away because they come well, attached with like other motives and i don't think men ha ha get compliments that are super attached with other motives i think women compliment other women a lot and then i think women receive compliments from men a lot yeah. So I think in general, we're just receiving more compliments maybe than guys are. Well, this is a good time to sneak in my compliment because I must say, 
five weeks into the summer um, rooftop podcast series, I think you've got the best fashion sense. Oh, I, thank I, I you. Have, I've yet to be able to sneak in the sunglasses, you, but it's real good. Uh, we have a real good look <laughs> happening right now. The way the sun's <laughs> setting on your on your uh, your outfit there. I mean, very good. Would, would you agree? Much yeah, appreciated. Absolutely. Well, I mean, luckily I got a heads up that there would be green chairs, so I was able to coordinate the shoes too. And very uh, nice. Yeah. We're going to green screen the whole thing. Yeah. We're going to completely change the outfit. <laughs> yeah, do you know, are, are, so like, where, where, what, what do you require for, to feel love? Uh, the affirmation, like words and acts of affirmation and support, um, which actually my partner and I, like we're both very strong, I feel like, in that. We're both... Um, Regardless of whether the, the what is that, the Myers-Briggs test, uh, regardless of whether that's actually debunked or worth anything, like the descriptions of the personalities, we both scored like the same and it's the champion and more important than like whether the score is right, it's like reading the description of like somebody who will, you know, lift up other people, see the good in other people and um, also like, you know, just fight for certain causes or help people out uh we both are basically that kind of person and so it really like we feed off of each other a lot like with respect to just daily activities hobbies political activism it's all like we you know push each other support each other i mean and it's um fantastic and then really just strong at you know communication and then making sure the other person's heard which I don't know, I don't remember if that's, you know, how that is a love language, but I mean, really, at some point, we may end up running into the time issue, but shelter in place, like, you know, it's, we're seeing each other so much now, that it's like, there's no way to even know if that might potentially be an issue as far as like, just yeah, time together. Making enough time for each other. Yeah. That's what I would say the the best we you know we've we've been good at talking about the positives of the pandemic because obviously we we're all aware of the severity of people that are suffering and of course the economic issues but the um the positive of living in a city that has built itself on a crazy rat race and we're all told don't do it for a minute and it's been fine and don't get me wrong we're going to have to find a a happy medium between what we have now and going back to that world like, like I'm going to have to go back to stand up at night and certain things that cut away from what we've built here, the comfort we've built here. But it has been a very unique and hopefully only time we'll ever have to deal with this as far as a global pandemic goes in our lifetime. But it's, it's almost like cutting away all of life's obstacles and going back to like the basics, which is cooking dinner and in, in waking up and just not having to be part of this crazy schedule. Like, have you guys, have you, how have you guys motivated each other or, or kept sort of your, your spirits up during, during this whole process? I would say, honestly, like the spending time together, cooking, having meals, and then just making sure we also, uh, make time together to be able to talk over things. Um, but something you're kind of, you know, touching on as well that, um, both her and I are really curious about like how this shakes out. Um, where it's like you were talking like culture and everything before. And I feel like this is part of the culture and everybody's starting to realize just how kind of drained they were feeling. Yeah. yeah I well, think 
and hollow, I would say, like our previous culture, like the way things were. It's just like how much it's like, wow, we really didn't have time to like, you yeah. know, sit around and like, you know, just chasing see that carrot stick. Or, yeah, exactly. And the it's just constantly quo hustling. Is to be burned out. Yeah. Yep. Overworked, yeah. underpaid, have a side hustle. Out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do we really want that? Yeah. It's given us the opportunity to get back and maybe reflect on what's really important to us. I like think it's so awesome that people, that companies are realizing that work from home is totally possible or just remote working in general and I'm so excited for the people who are going to be able to leave a big city that's sturdy and maybe have a better quality of life somewhere out in the country you know that's more suited but this to would come with problems though for like people like me that that like I like to go to the coffee machine and tinker around and ask Joe how this golfing trip was like it's like you know this might be a you know you I mean you you've been back to work you know you know sparingly and like there is something to be said about being forced, again, not necessarily on some crazy stressed out schedule, but being forced to interact with others. And that's the problem with a lot of people haven't, like, we're lucky to have each other. You got, you know, just, yep. you know, all of our friends are, are living alone. You, some, I mean, you don't know the kind of psychological toll that you're putting on yourself Well, sometimes. I think something th that's interesting about that is a, I think a lot of us get um, our social time, like, fill our social well with work because we don't have a lot of spare time for friends outside of work. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. And so, like, we really feel like we need that office environment because that's where we're, like, seeing our friends, our work friends, and catching up on what's been going on. And that's, like, you, you need that social interaction. That's definitely something that you have. But are those necessarily the people that you would choose if you had more time for choosing your friends? I don't know. Maybe. But it's funny when I uh, when I studied abroad in France, we were always like, uh, you know, I was I was talking to Tasha earlier about how like you can't judge someone when they're too young because we were talking about the Covington Catholic kid and how she was like, he's a piece of shit. And I go, look, you can't judge a guy till he's sort of evolved, at least from what he's learned in college, because like he's you're so young, you're still an imprint on your parents and whatever shit that they put you through. But I was thinking in college, you know, sophomore, no, I'm a junior. I go over and I'm like, America, no one works harder than us. And my buddy was like. Uh, actually, the French have the highest uh, uh, pr productivity per hour worked. And I was like, huh? What? Lazy French? What are you talking about? <laughs> and it's so true. It's so true that when, like, you, you have a sort of a – in the world where you do have a little bit of a social, um, you know, umbrella or, or something to, like, take care of you, you're not worried about, about wiping out your savings because you got the, you know, something. Or, you know, there's a certain level where that a lot of people are realizing is that – is that the people that were covered by unemployment, the people that were like taken care of and just told to like, just wait, they kind of did okay for the most part. So just knowing that you're gonna be okay is such a better motivator than knowing you gotta work extra hard to make ends meet. Well, and better outcomes too, because all of that stress compounds, like not knowing if you're gonna be covered health insurance wise, not knowing if you're gonna be out on the street the second you lose your job, like all that stress, translates to health problems it translates to like a what did they call it an early mortality rate or something like how like how how annoying was i in the winters because i worked a job that relied on tips that that like there were days where i'd spend more money on lunch than i would make that's not a world where anyone where anyone benefits the company doesn't benefit i don't benefit the economy doesn't benefit so it does make you wonder like uh, like how like how's your creativity been during this whole this whole process have you been able to uh still because i saw i saw in your your instagram bio that you have some medium articles 
Have you been writing for oh, Medium? Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, it's a self-published, like, you yeah. know, well, I just started. Blog. I just started yeah. doing that. I think that's so cool that you can self-publish and they can either, it can, you know, yeah. random people can see what you're writing. Has that Absolutely. been, a, has that been a, a creative outlet for you? It definitely has. And it's been, but my, my biggest issue is just basically accumulating a stockpile of three quarters completed articles on various issues uh, and just not getting them across the finish line. Well, so, perfection's the enemy of good, right? Exactly. Uh, and so I need to definitely get a few of those across the line, but it's been, um, like, it's very difficult also to, to tell what, to tease out what exactly is due to maybe shelter in place or the pandemic or whatever, because while watching society just totally fall apart, like everything you guys are talking about with like safety nets, et cetera, like we're looking at people don't have it like the $600 a week for unemployment. Like we're not getting that. And, and so now people like there's the small fraction of a safety net um, that we might've had is in serious danger now. And so there's all these, topics to write about like for me it's just it's suddenly like everything is more urgent than it ever has been um because like coronavirus has basically burnt away everything except you know the the infrastructure like the real core of what our country is about and unfortunately it's We're about exploitation exactly <laughs> and selfishness exactly so you're right that uh, all of the companies that benefit are multinational corporations home depot target walmart McDonald's, they're you know they're the little well, the benefit li from what benefit well the, the, that they were able to stay stay open. stay open you know <laughs> they benefit from the fact that they had sort of the ability to to you know adjust in in the deep pockets to do what they had to do to stay open in a lot of places like mom and pop shops like you know you could look at any industry whether it's pharmacies or whatever it's like unless unless you've got some big blanket corporation you're not this isn't a good time for you, you know? And it's like, you see little companies, like people are trying their best. We talked about innovation with the podcast. This building right next to us, I was walking the dog and there's a, um, there's a, a, a pizza place in the Valley and they open up here two days a week just to sell frozen pizza. So they've pre-cooked it, shrink wrapped it. And so instead of worrying about like getting a hot, fresh pizza, they just sell it to you in like a three hour window. So you drive up, they sling you the pie. Sort and of like, like picking up your CSA box. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like that, yeah. So it's like this, we tried it uh, early on in the pandemic where we, we bought a, um, a, veg a vegetable bucket from a farm in the valley and you show up and they slide it to you. And, you know, I mean, and it was cool. You, it was super organic, good food. We, we, you know, we enjoyed it. It was a little pricey, but you know, I mean, that's what sucks. It's like, these we ate all of it except the beets. Cause I don't like beets. No, we had, we had a beet salad. We had what? one beet salad. Oh, I took good. down beet a beet salad. But, awesome. You know, the carrots <laughs> that they just ripped out of the ground and, yeah. you know, like a real, they had a couple like, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it was supposed to be, you know, it was like barely fed two people. I don't know about a family of five would have done with that. But, you know, we, it was cool to like see innovation happen. Uh, and, and, and you hate that it's built on necessity. And unfortunately, well, what do they the say? Like 40% of these companies aren't going to come back? Something like that? Something crazy like that? Well, here's where I'm curious because you are the smartest political person I know. Every time we have an election, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see. Let's see about the recommendations from Dave over here on who I should vote for. Um, uh, do you think that this could benefit us in the long term, like a global pandemic shaking things up so badly that we finally get some like common sense policies in place? Like, is there a chance that more people realize that we need Medicare for all? Is there a chance that like we get anything good out of this? There's always a chance. Absolutely. And I think that 
Now, whether it's going to happen, we'll see. It's very frustrating to see the polls coming out showing, you know, Medicare for all among Democrats has like, you know, 80 percent or something like that, you know, support and and seeing a situation that calls for it. And then, you know, the the DNC won't add it to the platform. But simultaneously, what we've seen over the past, I mean, I would say just over 20 years as far as like I can trace it. And I'm sure there's, you know, better scholars who can uh, trace it even further is the rise of, you know, the power of the people like true grassroots and not the AstroTurf stuff, but um, which for anybody out there, that's just, you know, where billionaires basically give money to small local groups to make them seem like really big grassroots groups, but um, they're just really using a megaphone uh, provided by the uber wealthy. Whereas the situation we're in, we're not going to get the change society we need from one of the parties that exist. We're going to get it from people marching in the streets demanding it. Exactly. And it's like, yes, one of the parties will eventually cave to it and it's going to be the Democrats um, as they slowly, you know, get, you know, have these longstanding, you know, more conservative and corporate members like slowly picked off by, you know, Justice Democrats or other awesome, you know, people who are really the Missouri, uh, The Missouri race that just flipped. Corey Bush. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Huge, huge deal. It's also huge because Clay wasn't um, Clay wasn't somebody who didn't represent like his district. It wasn't you know like Alexandria Ocasio Cortez knocking off some old white dude who really just was out of step with the demographics and the population. You know, in the Bronx, you know, it is you know like she was like, no, he's just not standing for the right issues and. Also, like, and that was a really close race. And it's beautiful that she was able to come back and run again. Um, from 2018, she lost and then makes up another, I think, 10 points. I think she lost by 10 points before, maybe more. And it's really showing just Working the power class of, people, people. of people getting the message out and of people finally hitting a point where they, they're realizing that it's, you know, just having a D next to your name is not enough. That it's like, okay, what exactly are the policies? What are you standing for? Um, you know, we have somebody running up against like Pelosi, like in San Francisco. It'll be the first time in California we have the, it's uh, his name's Shahid Buttar. And it's the first time in California, or first time Pelosi is going to face a Democrat um, in November. Uh, and California, we have, unlike other states, we have the, uh, what they call the jungle primary, basically a top two system. So for all of these offices, whoever the top two are in the primary, whether they're both Republicans, whether it's Green Party and Democrat, whether they're both Democrats, top two make it through. We've had this since 2012, and this will be the first time Pelosi ever faces a Democrat. And so I'm also honestly, you know, very curious to see what's going on there uh, and how it ends up shaking out. Like, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting, even if for people that don't follow politics, that the whole uh, the whole political map has been you know adjusted with Texas and Michigan and different states that they're they're changing their viewpoints. People are moving around and it's taking away a lot of what like the electoral college sort of strategy was because it isn't what it was eight years ago. It's just it's it's everything's up for grabs. I don't know on the on the presidential level yeah. wh- what what's going to happen with. Biden. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I was a big Bernie person, and and I guess I don't. We don't need to get too deep into the woods with it all, but you know, they he is even. I was telling Tasha like the the video footage they're showing of Biden. If that's the best thing he can say, it's like 
how many takes did he mess up before that's what they yeah, got? Like we've both worked in the film industry. We know that everybody gets 20 takes, and that was the That best. was it? That was the best shot? <laughs> we got it in the can. <laughs> so, I mean, this VP is going to be, you know, that's that's a big deal. And, and again, it's, there's, it's, it's, it's inspiring to see so many well, people kind of catching up to other countries as far as politically their, their inspiration, which we've just been so apathetic to. Yeah. I, well, and I think that a lot of it is... Um, By the way, do you need another... I guess, you good? Uh, I'll take one, please. Uh, please, beer me, sir. <laughs> Here we go. Another beer toss. toss. A one hand. Oh, oh, all right. Hey, you I brought it into the bed. You got my basket. I got a little on the throw. throw. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the. Uh, I mean, the the people I've learned organizing from, um, and it started primarily with money out of politics uh, work. What's been really interesting about this whole rise of the grassroots um, and people-powered movements is it feels like slowly over time, and the Democratic Party participated in this, the labor movement was what championed regular Americans. Like, there were the rich, and that was Republicans, and then there were the unions, you know, and that was typically Democrats and and the unions fought hard. And then slowly as the unions got eroded from late 70s, you know, and the percentage of our uh, country of people who belong to a union, who are protected by a union, who have better pay because of a union, slowly got whittled away. And then the strength and political might of these unions also got whittled away. You didn't have a ton of the people-powered movements popping up. Um, and But now it seems like People, the people I learned from, they started in unions. They and they just decided we're going to take this organizing um, ability and this knowledge, and we're going to take it out and we're going to apply it to all of these causes that we are, you know, that the unions aren't doing anything about right now. And we're simply going to go out and make sure that people can get in the streets and get themselves heard and educate other people. And it's completely changed the map. But a lot of it is because the Democrats moved away from uh, really supporting like working people, you know. And well, yeah, like, because they got infiltrated by money, just like you said, and all of that anti-union propaganda and rhetoric that started around the seventies. I mean, you can you if you look at like graphs, you can see the correlation between like our percentage of. Uh, productivity like, yeah, exactly like the the revenue that we earn for the people that we work for our percentage our share gets smaller and smaller and smaller as unions get less and less powerful and yep. and, and think about the burnout too yep. you know like when you don't have like your your work day eight hour work day limits and all of that that we're just too burned out to be active well, that's why well, i think that part of part of the um this kind of unemployment a lot of people have received due to the it, the pandemic here it's and there needs to be a rebranding, I think, to a lot of middle America, like not, you know, like uh, not hearing the, the word socialism. It's like, ah, you know, or social, you know, you, you start to hear like certain trigger words and you're like, I'm against that. But so much of the, our country is getting such a raw deal without, with, but they're still defending that raw deal. And I think what people are learning is that this pandemic, you know, we've been on thin ice for so long and this fat pandemic just walks up and just shatters it all and people go oh maybe life wasn't as stable as i thought it it was and maybe maybe we would benefit a little bit from the so i think by 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 maybe exposing people to a lot of the flaws of our country 
there will be more um, concession to being like, okay, yeah, maybe we could, you know, because it, it's crazy that there, there were, there were, and again, I don't, you probably know a lot more than I do about this, but it's crazy when like sometimes like some some people in the Republican Party are trying to get, you know, get checks sent out, and then there's people in the Democratic Party who aren't, and it's like it's almost like the there's the progressive movement is almost completely separate from from what used to be the two-party system. If you have an example of a Republican trying to help people by sending something out and uh, at least something recent. So no, and I, I'm totally like, against yeah. the yeah, bandage. Not the band- for just optics either well, because it's an election year. But no, no be- but, but that's, but that's important when it is an election year to see someone's like actually trying to, trying to do what matters to their constituents. Like that's, it's important. Like that's why it would be better to maybe have less, less ter- like term limits or whatever, just so people would be a little bit more reliant on doing what their, their base is in their best interest, you know? Yeah, I, well, for me, like, what's really scary is, like, we've hit a point where this pandemic, when you guys are, you know, the pandemic and Trump combined are exposing weaknesses not just in our country, but then also in our electoral system and our entire government structure. And where, our populace. Yes. No, <laughs> just and, being, like, completely... No, Uninformed. Yes. Now, now, because we, we've gutted education, people don't know how to think critically anymore. And also, I mean, and, and going back to where this was a bipartisan issue for a while, late 90s, um, FCC deregulation, allowing for consolidation of media, which basically means we're getting the same stuff pumped into all these local stations. You yeah, know, these, these same pre recorded like stories. Syn- exactly. Sinclair Group. Yeah, no, it's very, yeah. it's great what they're doing to expose all that. But at the same time, it's like we're already so late in this, and there was the um, did you guys see that meme out there where it's uh, it's the the couple from St. Louis out in front of their home with the the you know the yeah that's our that's our Halloween that's our Halloween costume (laughs) for sure going anywhere for Halloween we're we're gonna run into five different people dressed as the same (laughs) Halloween costume I got way to game to be great (laughs) but Nerf guns (laughs) and like I love the meme where it's like uh, Fox News did to our parents what they thought rap music would do to us and I was just like oh my god that's perfect because yeah it's like they're just running around toting guns like in that mansion that's so gaudy and ridiculous and <laughs> yeah. but, but we're at a point where it's everything's been eroded and and yeah and you guys are like we're talking about Biden and honestly it's he could do anything he could give all the worst interviews he could do whatever he is not through it throughout his entire history of running for office winning office exercising power he has not sought to actively subvert uh election results he has not actively sought to subvert the courts um to intimidate judges uh to um push forward unconstitutional measures left and right there is literally no choice to be made he could do anything and yet media and everybody are still going to cover it as if this is some sort of normal situation when it is literally, this is, and I hate that we've had 20 years of everybody saying this is the most important election of our lifetimes. (laughs) Yeah. Every election. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it, in hindsight, a lot of them are because there's, you can, you know, trace back so many of, uh, you know, the current problems to, you know, Bush one and even some of the issues with respect to executive power, you know, to Obama expanding executive power. Um, but where we're at right now, it is freaking terrifying. I, yeah, it's like, wild. It's going to be a wild few months. It's, it's, 
I really feel like we're living. This is like when people say we're we're all just in a simulation, or that like the our Hit whole reset. experience <laughs> is just like made up, right? It's just like what we're projecting. It's like yeah, kind of makes sense that we elected a reality star. I had a moment. I had a moment. La- I think it was last episode. We've recorded so many episodes. I don't remember. Unplug. I had a, I had a moment where it it actually hit me, where I was like. I think I leaned forward and I was like, what's going on, guys? Like, I think I've been in so delusional to like our, our, our issues. I mean, I'm not really delusional to them, but it was like, okay, joke's over. Let's wake up from this nightmare. But, you know, it's this is it. This is we got to, you know, I... It, this is, you know, this is what we've... So many little, little decisions have been made that have finally exposed themselves to, you know, they've broken through the surface. Yeah. And well, and so going back to like what, you know, the question about like... Could coronavirus, could COVID-19 like end up being some sort of force for good? And I think absolutely. um, But it's going to come from uh, people like a changing culture in America where we start to embrace democracy more and the responsibilities of every single citizen to participate. Like, I honestly think we should have a 30 hour work week and not just because we are so incredibly productive that it's like we should reward everybody in our country with more leisure time, although that is on its own a completely valid reason. But I think we should also be doing it because in order to have a functioning democracy, people need time to participate. People need time to get out and actually care about the issues. And time to get educated. I mean, who has the energy to be looking up, you know. We're too damn tired, Tasha. We're too damn tired. (laughs) We ate too much fast food. We don't have the time. I always like to point out the sunset, as you know. And we're enjoying the sunset right now. It's gorgeous. The sun has set behind the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles, California. And we are here just enjoying it. This is part of that, like, can we undo things or whatever? It's like just trying to remember to take those moments to like appreciate a sunset or Isn't that a, nice? a pretty flower. It's there it goes. <laughs> Watch out for the fireworks that might hit us in the forehead. But in the meantime, we have a nice sunset over the hills, oh. those hills with those beautiful homes that we don't live in. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I told Tasha after, um, uh, after the election, when I, I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, which 2016? Well, actually, yeah, after 2016, okay. uh, it was. If it does feel like yesterday, it does feel a month, like a month ago. We're getting so old so fast, Tasha. Please stop the aging. <laughs> stop us. We're, we're just trying to eat uh, collagen smoothies, trying to slow it down. <laughs> collagen, 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 Tasha. So I, um, I don't know. So um, uh, I was like, you know, sometimes you need to poke the bear a little bit to like get some results. And there was a blue wave that happened after that. There was a, a just huge influx of these, you know, uh, black judges that were that that went through and and you know there was a lot of you know the aocs of the world and people that decided to take office and it's a trend that we'll see some time but you know there's there's a lot of motivation out there for change and you know that's what that's what we're kind of looking at and trying to be a part of but obviously i think you know when you talk about uh, being you know engaged with the different um movements that are happening like what what do you and your girlfriend how do you let me ask you this how do you do what you can, but also don't take on that burden so much where you're hurting your inner flame. Because that's what's cu- su- tough with people on social media, right? Yeah. You just, you're just becoming sick if you just uh, over-absorb. And then the, the algorithm's get off social like, media. The algorithm's like, well, if you liked that one, here's another one. And yeah. you're like, whoa. Yeah. And it's, yeah, there's definitely a, uh, I have to remind myself regularly to spend less time on social media. Because it's um, well, the it's most all impor- doom and gloom, right? Well, so it 
Yeah. It, it gives people a lot of anxiety. Well, and also there's no sense, except for, you know, a small number of people who maybe are doing, you know, things right or when you're sitting there. And especially during the pandemic, it's really difficult. Like for me, doing something, like actually getting out and doing something. And if it's phone calls or organizing at home, working with a group, like that can help. I like, that could be a substitute during the pandemic, but honestly, you know, to, to recharge, it's like going to a food bank and volunteering and, you know, getting to see, cause it, it will also viscerally bring home like how much harder like other people are. And suddenly I'm grateful for certain things that maybe I'd forgotten to be grateful for. Um, and it also gives that little bit of extra energy sometimes when you're you're that close to the front lines of what the you know problems are and the affected populations are. Um, that when you have that connection to it, then when it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, instead of getting depressed about all of these kind of faceless people out there and you know this situation that can't be changed it's suddenly like no i'm fighting for like i've you know met these people i've been out there fighting with these people sorry fighting with some and four others um but actively taking baby steps doing the small yes. things that you can and not sharing contributing posts. where you can <laughs> yeah it's i mean sharing posts is important education is always important if that's all you can do do it and and if Doing that like makes you feel fine, good. If doing that makes you feel terrible, then take a break from it anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, for me, it's, and I think it's honestly, uh, it's kind of like a self-love language to tie it back into what mm. we were talking about earlier, where I've met people where they are 100% okay with never getting out, like getting their hands dirty, being at like a protest, being at a, a you know, uh, a food kitchen, um, or, and, but simply maybe doing data processing or shooting out emails or text banking. And that for them is invigorating. Um, I'm not that person. Like I need to go out. Um, so for example, like here in Los Angeles, actually walk good LA, like they do every Saturday at two o'clock, um, across the street from uh, Los Angeles high school on Olympic and like Rimpaw. They start there and they do just a march. They go down Olympic to La Brea, up La Brea to Wilshire, down Wilshire, uh, I think, to Rimpaw again, and then down Rimpaw back to the park. You know, we're stopping traffic, et cetera. And it's, it's about Black Lives Matter and also elevating voices of different causes to just make a better world. And that's been so therapeutic and so cathartic. And there are people who will look at that and be like, but you're not doing anything. And this, but you're participating. Yes. And sometimes, it, you know, people, I think people are afraid to go to a protest if they've never been one before or if they don't have a buddy. They don't know where they don't know where the meetup is. They don't know what time. They don't know if they should bring us. Go to David Luna's uh, Instagram. He's got the whole <laughs> you got the whole. But it's just about like a small piece of participation. Right. To feel like you're really like participating. You're really a part of this movement of change. Yes, exactly. And there's, you find the community and it, we're hardwired to feel better, you know, and once again, it's not going to be 100% of people, but human beings are hardwired to feel better when we're around like-minded individuals, especially like if we're in some sort of struggle. And so it will typically like make you feel better. And 
for me, like having those moments to do that, like that's key. But I also try to divide up my activism among tiers where there's kind of like a long game um, and short game, you know, as far as what I'm working on. So for example, like ranked choice voting can help us break the two-party stranglehold and could help reinvigorate American democracy in a way that we've never seen in the history of our country. But we ain't going to get that passed <laughs> for 2020. It's not going to, well, I mean, some places already have it. Um, and we're not going to have it ready to go right now. So that's one of those things. Do you really think that ranked choice voting is going to happen nationally? Well, no, it's already happened for states. So, for example, like Maine uh, does ranked choice voting. They only have like one representative. So it's a statewide election. They just did ranked choice voting um, for that. And it worked. Um, San Francisco did ranked choice voting for their current mayor, London Breed. And what that election ended up being was two. London Breed is like kind of the more centrist Democrat. And then there were two uh, um, leftists like or left of, you know, her running. And they basically went around campaigning saying, vote for me and vote for them number two. <laughs> and it was fantastic and it ended up it took them a week to count the ballots because it was so close that it's like as they kept eliminating other candidates and recalculating like the lead changed back and forth much more concerned with the bigger picture yeah but so that's and but that's one of those things where we need to reinvigorate american democracy because i think everybody kind of understands or if you if you don't understand this at this point, you haven't been paying enough attention, but it's like we really need to reinvigorate our systems because the way that they're being um, eroded right now is really exposing a whole lot of the issues that we have. And so we don't need to just, there's a, and the biggest concern I have about 2020 is, and I think a lot of people on the left even had it about Hillary potentially winning in 2016, is that all of this activism on the left would suddenly disappear. Um, because we it, feel like we got something, something even though we, we got We have the nothing. White House. Yeah, but that Which doesn't mean anything Which is very symbolic and not, yeah, not much Especially change. Especially when well, you think that our party is really, it's it doesn't have the democratic values that we think it has. we got to have it's, David back on before the election. you got to yeah, come would back. Would you, would you come back before Absolutely. the election? That'd be fun. Because I'm worried because we have about 10 minutes before we're going to okay. be in the dark here. But could you... Do you have a, what do we got? a little bit of time? Because yeah. I wanted to get into the polygamy stuff, but I have to pee so bad. Polyamory. Are you going to have to go oh, pee? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I meant polyamory and I said polygamy. All right, go. We're going to keep going. Um, go pee. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, go. Run. You take take can, your headphones off. Keep, Jesus Christ. You're about to run away. Keep talking about whatever you want to talk about. But we're going to talk shit about you. Uh, let's jump into some polyamory. All right, go. Okay, I'm coming. Bye. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. No, she's back. She, oh. she ran away. Do you need, need keys? Need the key. Jesus, Tasha, Courtney over here. Yeah, we're so, uh, we're going to talk all about you, Tasha. We are so, we have lived together for too long, like so long that we are, I mean, you, we, the thing I look forward to the most is 
I'm I'm not looking for anything crazy like my own master bathroom. I want my own sink. Okay, I just want a <laughs> sink because sometimes you want like that Jack and Jill sink. Oh like, yeah. man, because in 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 when she'll she'll constantly talk about how like I forget to put the toothpaste lid on the toothpaste. Fuck that. That's the least of my concerns. I want to dig into a sink, wash my face. We we I don't know if you've been down there yet, but we uh it's just it's uh it's small. It's a small area. It sounds and, like and we'll like I have not. We'll pass out you know wake up on the couch and they have to get ready for bed and next thing you know we're like timing our toothbrushes and like what you, one person can't bend over and spit on the sink without the other person in the way and it's a whole it's like we're not looking for big things in life we're yep. just i just so if anyone out there can donate me a new sink just let me know Do you have the space for it <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah a new sink with a nice place just yeah. it doesn't have to be a nice house just an apartment please anyone out there uh yeah so we we actually i'll take this time while tasha's gone to promote the patreon we um it's been interesting this last year uh, I, I've always been against the idea of the page. Are you familiar with Patreon? Yes. So I've always been, why would somebody, why would somebody support me? Yes. That's my Catholic upbringing sort Dude. of like, what do they need to do? Why would they ever support me? I think it's also a very American thing. Like, no, I'm asking for a handout or something. There's a visceral like, yeah. Ugh. And then, and then I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give away an episode for a dollar. You know, Tasha's like, you need to raise the price. She's got like what I would consider this just very hopeful yet crazy negotiation idea. Like, you're worth more than that. And I'm like, no, I'm not, honey. I'm not. But <laughs> last February, right before uh, Valentine's Day, I was, we, um, so this is, wait, geez, what year is it now? 2020. So 2019 <laughs> Valentine's 2020. Day. Wow. Still, what a year, <laughs> folks. Was, um, she, uh, we uh, we found out that iTunes was going to feature us, and I was like, "Look, I got to get the Patreon set up for iTunes because that could be a big deal." Yeah. Now, was it a crazy big deal? No, like they put us in like a small batch of their favorite relationship-based podcasts. It was nice and all that, but um, I, I, but it was enough. Uh, it was enough for me to be like, "I got to get this thing going." And I have to say, we we, we kind of hover around twenty to twenty-five Patreon members, so that's like a percentage of our audience like like one to three yeah. or to five whatever it is three percent of your audience is willing and loyal enough to to do that and we have several in england somebody in mexico a couple canadians americans they really do scatter for for who they wow. are but it adds up to a point where it's been so great to to offer that you know and if people don't want it they have six years of free episodes but it's been something that's been so nice to do as as one of those like if you build it they will come type of moments you know I hear you and and like uh, that's just something I wanted to share it's like something that I I've always had that mantra leap in the net will appear yet I have been resistant to to the limitation that we're not on a major network we're you know we're, we're we've got a loyal audience they're they're amazing but like you know you really got to search for it you got to really find us because it's a it's a clogged system our ratings are good but you know so it's been. It's been great to do those extra weekly episodes, those extra kind of rooftop, you know, phone calls where I, you know, the audience, they, they, they show up, they're loyal. So has there... That's ha, awesome. Creatively speaking, like, do you have anything that, like, you would do if you had the follow, like, the audience demand? Because yeah. it feels like creatively, you go, if they want it, I'll do it, but it's not there yet. It's so hard to create without that demand. Yeah, it's... So for me, what I've been wanting to do... Um, and there's something I've worked on, which is kind of, it started as a civic Sundays and it was basically like a civic church. Um, and one of these things where we're talking about like culture in America and I 
literally uh, just want there to be basically like a church of democracy because I feel that the history of America in so many ways is can be boiled down to fascism versus democracy. Like even when we were founded, we were just kind of like a, you know, fascist democracy, fascist meaning like just white men, like with all the power and we had slavery and, and it was terrible in so many ways. And yet it was such an upgrade from nobody having any representation, you know, in their government. And so anyway, moving forward, it's like, I honestly think, and regardless of what your actual religion is, um, what, or whether you're atheist and I'm personally atheist, but it's like the idea of building community around something like that and getting people excited about that. That is, um, what I'd be, you know, very happy about. And then probably just doing like silly videos on the side. <laughs> so we've got a, you're, the minister. You're gonna you're a minister now. You're gonna be the, yes. the you're gonna have the church of David Luna right here. Boom. There it is, folks. Uh, you, you really hit the nail on the head when you said community because when I think about because I also am Tasha's back, everybody. Yep. <laughs> she's got a winter, she's got a winter she's jacket. Got the jacket. Exactly. Tasha, we really we, we, we were filling time. We really gotta get to the uh, we're gonna lose oh, yeah. light here. We're gonna test the uh, ISO levels on our cameras right about now. Okay. Well never no, mind, no fin finish your thought. Community. Like exactly one of the things I'm personally agnostic, but uh, I I do miss that community aspect of yeah. church that I grew up in. Even when I moved to LA, a lot of my girlfriends that I know through modeling are Christian, and they go to you know local churches, and they would invite me, and I'd come sometimes. And it's so nice to sit in a room yep. filled with other people yep. who are genuinely interested in you and care about what's going on in your life, and 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 this positive, you know, the positive vibes fill the room. Like, yeah, I think it's floofy every time we go to a Easter service where they've got the full band and the Tasha gets so mad lights, she gets so mad at how happy her Christian friends are <laughs> so mad no I mean I touched when did I talk about this oh maybe on our last podcast that like I, I'm sort of envious of um, just the kind of like blind optimism that a lot of my religious friends have because I feel like I, I'm, I'm naturally sort of like a a cynic, you know, like, yeah. or just not a pessimist, but like a realist. And, and all of my friends who practice their faith just have faith. You know, they have optimism that I, I don't really share. I, I don't work out that muscle, I guess, as much as well, I Well, I'd like to transition from uh, talking about religion to what you had mentioned before you had to take a bathroom break, uh, polyamory. <laughs> polyamory. Now, now, th now we, we do have to go. We got probably 10 minutes left here. Okay. but. But uh, this is something that, as a podcast that talks about relationships, uh, originally the Saps was missed, was Sex Actually podcast. Yes. Now, now sex has, has kind of, we, what we learned is that we talked more about relationships. But in a lot of, um, obviously, instances, sex and relationships, you know, good sex comes from good relationships, but good communication yeah. and, and this and that. Sex so, is a barometer, kind of. Yeah, so ta ta if, if you don't mind, what's, yeah. what's the polyamory angle? What's all that about? All right, so I'm not... <laughs> practicing anymore but for a while like i i honestly think now polyamory is honestly in my as a, as a quick breakdown you know polyamory being able to be in love and in relationships with more than one you know person at and a time at a time simultaneously um but beyond that you really need to, and it means just being able to, like being free to, it doesn't mean you're actually actively doing it. And beyond that, people really, it's, 
you have to talk to each individual person to see what their own specific definition of it is. Um, I will say that there are people who abuse the idea of polyamory, just like there are people who abuse the idea of monogamy. Um, you know, like uh, when I was working at like big law firms back in the day and it's like you see some partner who it's like is working 70 hours a week and you know that like, you know, they've got a spouse at home and they never even see that spouse. And it's like, oh, did that person really sign up for this? Is it's like, but, and they're not allowed to go like, you know, find you know, fulfill any of their needs or, you know, anywhere else. It's like that person will be like, no, it's like, it's just us. And it's like, no, it's just me. You're never here. And yeah, you're con- always at work. But <laughs> control with the money. I'm the breadwinner. So, you know, exactly. you're reliant on me. Well, and, so- and just our system of, you know, we really are like as a species, we really promote uh, monogamy. Like yep. that's considered the norm and what's socially acceptable. And simultaneously, there will be then people who are in poly, like polyamorous relationships who are like, no, you can't possibly tie me down. And, you know, even if you clearly communicate what you need, it's I'm just, you know, I won't clearly communicate back that I'm not willing to do that. Um, and they kind of abuse um, the bounds of the relationship. But at its healthiest, it really is simply about being able to set up and fulfill expectations, boundaries, and and everything you need in a healthy relationship in order to keep it going. And it's based on the simple idea that we don't always, you know being with one other person won't satisfy everything you're looking for in life in a relationship. And so what I often, you know, point to with people is, um, you know, you'll have like really good friends or people that you're really intimate with. And, you know, the people who are all about monogamy out there will say, you know, well, as long as, well, and some will say, as long as you're not having sex, it's fine. But other people will get upset about it and say like, that's emotional infidelity. Yeah. And that is a perfect example of it's like, well, okay, so then does your partner really know that they're not allowed to have any sort of close friendships? And where exactly is that line that suddenly they're not allowed to cross? Um, And so for me, polyamory, it was something I got into simply because intellectually speaking, I hit a point where monogamy just made no sense. I was like, this is clearly, you know, just bullshit that you know we were handed down by our parents and by society and it's like it's the default but the white picket fence yes <laughs> come on <laughs> it's like no but the you know, i'd property- blow you for a white picket fence <laughs> at this point let me tell you that and a sink <laughs> and a sink oh, Tasha missed that part yeah i'll blow you for a sink and maybe a fence what do you need <laughs> but yeah but it's when you kind of like hit that point then it was like okay well intellectually speaking this makes perfect sense to me and so uh, at the time, I was like, well, I want to try this. And I was lucky enough to have a good friend who was uh, polyamorous. And he you know, I, he was able to point me to some resources as far as books and stuff online. I was able to read a lot. But honestly, it's like when you're finally in like, you know, a real poly relationship where you're negotiating like days of the week to see your partner and everything. And a lot of poly people have jokes about like how Google calendars is like, you know, they're like, there's always a relationship with Google calendars. No matter how many people you're seeing, you also have a relationship with your calendar because you're going to spend that much time trying to figure out stuff. But it really ends up, um, I grew more 
in my first year, I grew more emotionally in my first year of a poly relationship where my uh, partner was seeing somebody else in Los Angeles than I think I had in like at least a decade before that, um, where it really forced me to confront like insecurities. It really forced me to figure out whether there were things that I really needed to feel fulfilled in a relationship or whether something was an insecurity that I could actually get around by simply talking it out with my partner and then getting to the point of, oh, you know what? I don't feel as insecure around this anymore. And so I feel better. I can do without that. And it's amazing how much like it was one of those situations where when I was forced to just sit and deal with my insecurities um, and jealousies and anything else and do the work necessary to kind of whittle away like, well, what is actually something I want out of my relationship? That's a priority. Exactly. And so, and also at a certain point, then it's like, well, then do I get that from another relationship potentially? And you negotiate that with your partner at the time. But it really boils down to communication, right? Yes. What can I offer you? What can you offer me based on our needs and our skill set? 100%. So if there's any ladies out there that want to comment on my YouTube videos, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Could really use some help out there. (laughs) Now, where did jealousy play a factor? Because that's the first thing I would think of is like, you know, next thing you know, you're looking at some dude's Snapchats, seeing what he's doing with your girlfriend. You know, like, is that even, or is it that you're so communicative that like it takes away that unknown? No, there's the, yeah, the, it's, there's definitely, and I think everybody has uh, a different sensitivity um, to jealousy. Like for some people, there's just a visceral feeling. And for some people, it's also rooted more deeply in like a, a fear of abandonment. Um, and so for me, like it helped me work through some of my own underlying issues um, regarding, you know, like insecurities about, you know, potential abandonment. Whereas I also know, you know, I've had partners where they're, um, or been in relationships where they're like, no, like there's a visceral feeling and I can kind of, you know, deal with it. And so I just don't want to see like photos of it. Like if you're not posting this stuff online and you can start to negotiate out like those particular, um, pieces, but yeah, I've never was in a situation where, and so I was actively poly, I would say for five years, six years. And I was never in a situation where it was like, I was buds with, um, a guy that was also dating a woman I was dating. Uh, and I have had friends who do that. And for me, it was, it was something I was always like, that's theoretically possible. And it would just be a new thing to kind of navigate. But yeah, it's, uh, it's as like far the as the next, it's like leveling up on your challenge no, or exactly. on your difficulty. It's bringing community into like, <laughs> like let me tell you something. I would, I would do a few more planks if we were in a polyamorous relationship. I would have a much tighter <laughs> core muscle. I would be definitely not a schlub. Now, I don't know if our listeners necessarily know this, but the way that I've understood poly relationships just from friends who have been in them is that typically there's like a primary relationship Uh, and then there are like secondary relationships. Correct. So it's sort of like, um, like seniority. Yeah. You got your, you got your main job and your gigs kind of takes precedence. And then the other sort of revolve around that. Is that correct? Yes. And well, and so theoretically 
you can have something that's kind of uh, non-hierarchical or um, anarchist uh, polyamory, and it's where it rejects any sort of, you know, setting these sort of boundaries. In practice, like, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that you guys, you know, might be able to uh, invite on to, to speak to those. In practice for me, um, simply because of the finite nature of time and scheduling and everything, there inevitably ends up being some sort of hierarchy. You're going to end up basically prioritizing certain things. Unless, for example, you are just the kind of person where it's like, no, I'm working, you know, 80 hours a week. And so I will just see, you know, my romantic partners when I can fit them in. Um, but if you're Way talking more like about- transactional there. Yeah, or even just like I mean, for me that becomes almost like a um, like a friends with benefits, but like a mm. wider kind of group potentially uh, speaking. And I mean, and it ends up be, like it's absolutely something that somebody could uh, you know want for their life and customize around. But once again, you're just gonna have to be really good about communicating and also really patient about finding partners or looking in the right kind of places. Uh, but it really ends up just being a, a situation where. You, you're going to need to know exactly what you want yourself. And yeah, I think most of the time for ranking the majority of polyamorous relationships um, fall into some sort of hierarchical relationship where you're going to have a primary and then you have everybody else. And so theoretically your primary is going to be the person that you make, you know, more concessions to, and you need to kind of check with them a little bit more often. Um, of course, all this can be you know, negotiated and it should be <laughs> openly discussed and negotiated, but yes, like the way you described it. And honestly, for a lot of the time I identified as Polly and I was, you know, available to be in other relationships. I still was actually only with one person, but it was one of those where it's like, well, if something comes along, but you know, it was, and so it was kind of weird with my friends where they're like, well, so who are you dating? And I'm just like, her They're like and I'm like no They're like so are you actually poly <laughs> like i guess i'm just not that good at it but no. <laughs> well it's kind of nice though because it it takes away this feeling like you're bolted down to like the old ball and chain it's like well if something else comes along that gives me love and joy and i think that's if we kind of summarize this whole episode when we were talking about civic duty and things it's like it's like filling your own love language it's about doing what feels good and what the love is for you you know i think we've talked about we we've tasha and i have talked about which and i i love having these conversations with some with our friends so some of our friends some we have behind their back and some with them but <laughs> we have certain friends that like we're like what if we had to swap with friends like if if Tasha Dave says we have this conversation, but mainly you have this conversation. It's a lot of Dave asking me, which of my friends would you rather bang? <laughs> well, no, I, I don't mean it in some sort of weird way where like some cuck way. Not that that's weird if that's what you're into. But I mean it like if like wit like I'm always like, well, if Tasha banged Ben, who's marrying Sarah Ann, like, would we both be I'm OK with that? I'm marrying Ben and Sarah Ann. I'm getting ordained. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised you're announcing this, Tasha. Good for you. Well, I guess you can bleep it out if you want. No, Universal no, no. Life Church? Are you yes. doing the online? Yeah. yeah. They asked nice. Tasha. Well, we'll have to talk more about this in the near future. We don't want to give the dates away. But yeah, Tasha, um, I'm uh, I'm a groomsman in the wedding. And um, Tasha's right. going to be, she's going to freak the fuck out on the day and yell at me because I, you know, I, I feel like you're going to be, but you're going to, you're going to kill it. It's a small wedding. You're going to be great. But the, but this couple is very open when we talk to them. Some might call that trashy. I'm not. 
I'm not calling them trashy. I They're love just them. Very open about but their sexuality. We'll talk. We'll be like oh, talking. Awesome. We'll be talking about like um, you know politics, and uh, and then Sarah Ann will just be like talking about blowing Ben. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> there we go. But the beauty of it is. Because it, Ben Ben and I used to be roommates in New York, and I know you knew Sarah Ann separately, but Ben and I were roommates, and we've all stayed in touch on the West Coast. They live in Michigan now. But with some of Tasha's friends, there's this like expectation to be like prim and proper, some people that you work with. Not not all of them, but some of them. And then when you get to hang out with Ben and Sarah Ann, it's like on the Titanic when you're going dancing with the Irish people. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're on the low levels, baby. We're hanging out. We're going to roll up the le- the pants and we're going to jig. That's this what, is what life is about. Oh, like, it's yeah. the best. It's throwing beers from one to the other. Yep. This isn't, we're not serving each other caviar. We're chucking drinks at each other. That's what they are. They're kind of like, there's a little bit of a rednecky kind of coolness. To, and I'm, I'm all about that. Pontoon boats, country music. That's what they're all about. But, you know, so when I, when I think of our, which of our friends would we be good at, like, Swapping? Well, we've either talked about swapping or like watching, and I always go, I always go, if we had to walk by a w- our friend, like say all of our friends lived on a on the same in the same building down a long the long hallway, but <laughs> one of the friends had their windows like the open. red light district with all the windows. Yeah, but uh, but which one of them, if the windows would open, would you turn around and be like, well, we'll watch that. And I would say them, and even Darren and Claire. I got a whole slew of friends that I go, oh yeah, like Dar- Darren and I are such good friends that. I think in a second we would, we like if if Darren told like if there was a scenario in which your life had to be saved by Darren banging you, I'd be like, hop on, Bubba. Like I love Darren; he's my brother. <laughs> like I know that sounds weird, but if I found out that you were like went on a hike with some dude, I wasn't. You know what I mean? Like there's it's so backwards so, thinking. So you think in your polyamory world, you would rather know the guys. I'm saying if like if there was a snare where we were like out camping and it was Jonathan and Marina, you know, she's she's eight and a half or nine months pregnant, so pre pregnancy Marina. I love that we're using all real names here. Uh, they don't <laughs> luckily our friends don't support us and listen, so it's totally fine. But in that scenario, if Jonathan and Marina and you and I were sitting down having mushrooms and we all decided we would all just kind of like roll around together. There's a trust with friends, and I'm not saying that would ever even happen. This, these are all hypotheticals, but there's a trust with these friends that I go, that to me is better than like if you had to like seek somebody out because I wasn't good enough for you. You understand that? I I get that. I mean, as far as the yeah, the uh, I mean, this is where for me it's like polyamory really bleeds over into so many different areas where it's like some people would be like, well, no, that's swinging or exactly. you know yeah, this swapping, a lot more like you know, and it's or... like, but it's I mean, how is that really different? As long as you're still communicating about everything and it's outside the bounds of monogamy, then wouldn't it technically be polyamory? And for me, a lot of the time, like that's where the definitions of it are gray around the edges like Mm -hmm. i personally think polyamory can be used to incorporate a whole lot more and the way it ended up working for me was i just really want to be more communicative about things but what you're talking about i totally get it like absolutely because that would definitely 
you know, this, you know, he's yeah. happy like where he is. She's happy where she is. She's happy where and she is. Isn't, and this like, oh, isn't this uh, isn't this isn't first date conversation. This is like just saying, you know, we're just so close. We love our friend. We love these people so much that like I, I don't I, I struggle to think of which which of your friends that 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 would work out with. But I'm not saying uh, like I I don't know of like some of you, Josh and Amy, are, you know, I can't even imagine. Like there's just certain scenarios that I couldn't even imagine that crossing the past. But eh, my buddies that I'm just like so close with, they just go. Anybody you know, you're taking mushrooms with is. Yeah, I've candidate. never done mushrooms, but Wait, I'm just saying. What? No, yeah, that's all. I, yeah, someone get me on board, please. <laughs> Help me out. Let's go. Send them over to the roof. <laughs> Let's go for it. <laughs> Don't do them on the roof. Yeah, no. <laughs> just like tie me to the center of the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Tether me off. <laughs> no, but I think, you know, we. Uh, for a lot of people, the dip your toes into polyamory comes because you want to grow your mindset, right? It's like a curiosity or a wanting to just challenge your mindset. Like you said, what did you say? Something, oh, about that I'm not fulfilling your needs. And maybe it's not that you're not fulfilling my needs. Maybe it's that you're okay not having to be the provider for each and every one of my needs. Well, it's like with stand-up. That's I'll a really... That, that nails a lot of it, but yeah. I had a comic ask me, a female comic asked me about my stitches. We'll tie it all back to the stitches. And she goes, you know, she, I don't, you know, she goes, oh, are you okay? Is everything all right? I go, I think I'm okay, but thank you for asking. <laughs> and I'm not saying Tasha wasn't there for me. She was, but it was like, I just got mothered. This felt good. <laughs> and it's like with, with, with stand up, I go out and I, I, you know, you perform with different people and you bond in a certain way. And I, I can get my love language filled from other places outside of my relationship relationship i'm not picky with where i get it all no of course i want tasha to to be the one that that naturally fills up my love wells but everything would be draining to expect that so like my my love well is not is not is not denying anything i'll take a fucking stranger's compliment by all means if i'm at a red light and somebody likes my hair like all aboard but it is nice when it comes from those that you you you, you find close to you you know but, but you also recognize and tell me all the time how like you you know that giving compliments verbally is just not my strong suit because i don't come from a family of compliment givers i don't know it's just like i will text out really, what you need to say every day i'll be I like just to, tell me this at 5 p.m i have to think about it's like something that i have to it's not like breathing where it's subconscious it's it's very much a conscious, you are oh, on the i, I should compliment on now. the love language spectrum you your lack of affirmations you could use you could use a few courses on it. We could teach Tosh how to just give a compliment. Hey, like, listen, if anyone's out there listening, tell your man right now. Just, just say, hey, blank looks blank today. Just insert something about their body. Go to we, Mad Libs this. Yeah, Mad <laughs> Libs a compliment to us. That's all we need. We're we're up here on the roof in the dark. We got to get you back on. If if you ever want, it, you, if we'd love yes. to have you back on before the election. Absolutely. We're gonna be um, gone. Tasha's got some weddings to ordain. I guess I've been calling That's her. Awesome. I've been calling her sister Mushrooms Tasha. in a forest. Yeah. Maybe a poly kind of swap thing. Who yeah. She <laughs> if she blesses us with uh, her uh, ordained uh, your sainthood. I, I, I like sister Tasha. I think. If we do hashtag Sister Tasha, people can comment on your Instagram, and they'll we'll know that they listened this far into the episode. <laughs> but um, anything, anything you need to promote there, Tasha Murray? Uh, nope, no, nothing new to promote. No new blogs written. I'm very much slacking because it's if, been a busy week. If you want to send her one of those um, priest uh, shirts with a little white cuff on the top, the collar. Like, oh, yeah. I think they're called Dickies. Dickies. Yeah, we we looked them up on Amazon. <laughs> I'm gonna get her a full. Oh, priest isn't that for a tux? No. 
it's it's what priests wear. I don't know or ministers, oh, okay. but they were selling them on the get ordained website. <laughs> <laughs> anyone has any tips for Tasha on uh, different? Actually, uh, you know that's something that I really could use if anyone wants to write in and give me like I don't know your favorite like love. Bible verse or quote or something, or just help me figure out what I'm supposed to say. Yeah, if you could plug That's our tough. at the wedding. I've done that, like, yeah, and it's it's, it's a, so much pressure. It, it is really a, is. It's just like, oh, this is supposed to be like a day you'll never day forget. The biggest day so far, and I'm supposed to be the one consecrating it now. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and I've asked a couple times, like, so what do you guys want me to say? Like, do you want me to include personal stories? And they're like, whatever you want is fine. And I'm like, you're giving me no guidance. No, and that, oh, I had friends do the same thing. And then they had, like, there were, uh, like, groomsmen and everybody there who were like, hey, just keep it as short as you possibly can, man. We want to just get over to the bar. It's like, oh, God, you're the only ones giving me guidance, and I think it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I said Tasha needs to lead with saying that Sarian blew Gooch on the pool table at their first date. That's what has to happen. No. Is, that's not what I'm going to I'm going to bleep that whole part out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah. Or just good movies where, like, the minister, like, you get a clip of what the minister says. Like, I, I could really use some inspo on that. So write in sexactuallypodcast at gmail.com or, uh, you know, message Tasha uh, at Tasha Courtney on just Instagram. send me a rough draft. And send a rough draft. Maybe you could plug <laughs> the Patreon during your uh, oh, exchanging vows. You know what I mean? Go. Maybe just, whatever you could do to get us some uh, PR would be nice. And then how can people follow you? What, 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 what can our audience do to stay connected with you? Oh, um, right now, uh, just go ahead and go to uh, Civic Sundays on Facebook, and I will be basically posting anything next happening there. Otherwise, if people are curious, they can hit me up on uh, Luno at uh, on both Twitter and Instagram, uh, L-O-U-G-H-N-O-T. Uh, the nice thing is uh, when you have a rare enough name and you're the first person to really hit the web in your family, you can d get all of the places <laughs> where yeah, you just have your last Name. I love any name with a silent G. I love it. I, I'm all about it. <laughs> well, I love a good silent G. It used to be without an H, like back in France. Uh, so yeah. We have like some distant, distant Luno. relatives. Yeah, exactly. Luno. And so the H was to soften it up for the Ellis Island. <laughs> no, it must. Yeah, totally. Because like I guess Loughton is like an English name, so maybe it made it look like that. I Interesting. I right? like it. I like it. Anyway, well, dude, I liked this. This has been absolutely yeah, fantastic. Yeah, this is the darkest we've gone into the night on the podcast. I want to give you that awesome. credit we over here. We refuse to let you go. Like, yeah. one more. We got three more hours. <laughs> We're going to go until the sun <laughs> really hits. I'm Hold sure on. all I'm of gonna... my batteries. The GoPro is still recording, so there that's we nice. Go. We'll see how, the, uh, how it does in the low light. But uh, thanks for it's coming on. We're, we're about to go marry some people, but when we come back, yeah, come back before the elections, and maybe we can um, you know, talk some more about that. We'd love to. And we could we could front load the polyamory discussion and then go into politics. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'll tease the shit out of that. You got to stick through Absolutely. civic duties to hear a little polyamory. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast. As Thank always, so David, Dave, and Tasha. Bye, everybody. Bye. That's it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this chat. We went till dark. If you haven't yet, check out the YouTube. Uh, go to my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, just search Dave Neal and you'll find my YouTube channel where we uh, have all the video of these podcasts. And this one's funny because we recorded at sunset and then we recorded probably 40 minutes after sunset. It literally, you know, couldn't even see my gear as I was packing it up. But we had such a fun chat. Why end it when you're having fun? Crack some beers, live some simpler times and enjoy the moment. And that's the uh, best wishes I could give to you guys is to live in the moment 
moment. Enjoy what, um, enjoy the good aspects of life because God knows if you watch too much media, social media or the news, you're going to get bogged down in some real negativity. So stay out there, look people in the eyes, tell them you love them. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye everybody.